Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Hello team. Welcome to my second podcast. I'm Chris Thrall. I'm a former British Royal Marines Commando and I left the forces to run a business in Hong Kong but six months later was chronically addicted to crystal meth. I was heavily in psychosis for on and off for three months, while at the same time working for the Hong Kong triads. So hence my uh, memoir, Eating Smoke. Um, Obviously, I've got to say I'm not in any way advocating the use of drugs. My, um, and that includes alcohol. My two best friends both died through taking drugs. Uh, one of them, one of them with me. But these are, I've got a list of questions here that my readers have often asked me and I thought I'd run, run through them. So what is crystal meth? Uh, crystal meth is a form of amphetamine. It's manufactured in certain places around the world, but not all. It can be made from industrial chemicals that you buy from a factory, but it also can be made in the home from relatively inexpensive ingredients that you can buy in a like a hardware shop, hardware store. For example, a box of matches, lye, which is a, a form of sulfur, uh, it's based on sulfuric acid, so it's used to create clean drains so that kind of gives you an idea of the harsh chemicals that that go into making it quite often these meth labs explode because of the volatile nature of the ether that's used in the process um so the fire brigade will turn up to a house and the the residents will have done a runner and the the fire fireman will be left to you know put out the blaze um, it's made a lot in the Philippines for some some reason. When I was in Hong Kong, a, a lot of it was shipped um, from the Philippines into Hong Kong. Difficult to get in the UK. Uh, uh, if you're on the gay scene in the UK, 
Uh, apparently, it's ready, is more easily available, let's say. But I would say the government here has clamped down on the chemicals that you need to manufacture it. Um, hence why it's hard to get. What does it look like? If you know what rock salt looks like, it just looks exactly like that. Rock salt, sea salt, those tiny little granules. Um, I could have put a few in a bag just to go like that and you'd see exactly what they look like, but someone would uh, probably take take that too seriously and report me to YouTube. Um, so I haven't done that. Where is it made? We've said that it's made in underground labs. It can be made in homes. It, it's made in, in, in certain countries. If you've seen Breaking Bad, you probably have an idea what a what a industrial sized meth lab looks like. We covered what it is made from. What's the high like? The high from meth. It depends. For a start, it might not be your choice of drug, right? Or let's say a person's choice of drug. Different drugs affect different people differently. What one person might absolutely love, another person might absolutely hate. But my experience of crystal meth was that more people did like it in general um, than hated it when you compared it to other drugs, if you get what I mean. Quite often you'd see someone use crystal meth for the first time and they'd say, oh, I'm okay, oh, I'm okay. And I'd think, no, you're not, you're not okay. And then two weeks later, you'd see them on the stuff again or asking where they could get it and you could see where the addiction was coming in. So. The first time I took it, I'd uh, taken party drugs before, so this wasn't like a first experience. I'd never really had a problem, you know, during the, the dance era, the rave scene was very big in the UK. We would go out, we would buy this party speed. So let's give you an idea. We'd buy this party speed, it came in a little paper wrap mixed with uh, glucose, right? And it was probably about 5% pure speed. Fast forward to crystal meth, you're talking 99.7% pure. And it's not just speed, it's methamphetamine. So it's already like an industrial strength version of speed. And you take the methamphetamine, this really strong form of speed that will keep you up for, you know, one hit of methamphetamine will keep you up all day long. Crystal meth is the methamphetamine refined. That's why it's in crystals. It's it's pure. You know, as I said, it, it comes in little rocks that then the, the breakdown in, in the deal that you buy into what looks like salt. And the first time I took it, I was in an office. Uh, one of my colleagues said, Chris, Chris, come and try some of this. It was in the toilet during our lunch break. And I thought, well, you know, I'd done a few bits and bobs before. Never occurred to me I might have a problem because I'd never had a real problem with drugs. And 
that part of my nature that wants to try everything, yeah, I'll give it a go. So I smoked just exactly like that off a piece of silver foil, right? Gave it back to my friend, went back to my chair, didn't think anything of it. And then within seconds, really, I started just to feel this really nice, mellow feeling come over me. I describe it in, in eating smoke as it's like getting slowly drunk on the, on the world's finest champagne, but you don't have that heavy feeling that you get when you're, when you're drunk, right? And you're just coming up on this, this chemical and instantly I knew there and then this was the best feeling I'd ever had in my whole life. And I couldn't wait to get myself across to a place called Chunky Mansions in Hong Kong, which is where a lot of the, the drug dealers lived and, and score some more of this stuff. Before long, um, I began taking it more and more. The reason I did is I not only had this overwhelming feeling of well-being, like you're completely at peace with the world. You're you you after that comes this amazing drive, this energy. And I found I could be really creative. When you're on meth, you can look at like a railing down the street, and you might have the crappiest balance in the world. And you can hop up on that railing and you can walk for 20 meters along knowing before you did it that you're not going to fall off. Uh, I could do handstands and just push up from a press up into a handstand and walk and walk 20, 30 meters, having never been able to do that before. I would spend all night long high and writing song lyrics and and. That's how I got into to writing books, believe it or not. You've got to remember, I was told I was a failure at school. So to suddenly find, actually, no, I'm, I'm really not a failure. I've got all these latent talents that, that, that the teachers back when I was a kid, just they never saw and they never got out of me. And it's part of the reason it's, um, it's, su it's such an alluring drug. On top of that, you get amazing energy. So I'd go in a nightclub, whereas maybe when you're drunk, you'll dance for half an hour and you, you know, start to sweat and you go and sit down. On crystal meth, you can dance for 12 hours nonstop. And then you can go without any sleep through the day. And then you can go back to a club in the evening, dance another 12 hours. And to give you an idea, I did that for nine, nine days once. Finally, I'd gone back to a hotel room with a girl that I'd met. She'd, we'd only paid for half a day. Kind of gives you an idea of the type of hotel it was. And uh, she couldn't wake me up. When it came time to leave, she couldn't wake me up. I'd been awake for nine days. In all that time, I'd eaten probably no more than one McDonald's. You have no appetite on meth. And the weight just 
drops off you and and not for a good reason right it's also difficult to drink you'd think you'd be really thirsty but you kind of lose you you have to force yourself to drink so i'm literally dead to the world in this hotel room she probably thought i was close to death and two policemen came in and they started uh, shaking me the hotel owner had obviously panicked and thought I wasn't going to pay the bill and called the police. The policemen were like, who are you? Who are you? And I was, I, I couldn't remember who I was. I just couldn't remember who I was. Um, my name's Chris. I'm, I'm Chris, Chris. And they said, what you do? What you do? Meaning like, what's my job? And I, I, I was a doorman on a nightclub, right? couldn't remember I could only remember my last job which was DJ in a club in China so I said I'm a DJ in a nightclub in China he went don't do the drug I was like okay but of course I still did it because I was addicted by this stage I was addicted so yeah that's crystal meth for you uh why is it so popular? Well, it's so popular for the reasons I just said. You learn stuff about yourself you thought, you know, you never would and, you, and things that you never could do. You feel amazing. If this is a drug for you, I'll reiterate that. You know, some people hate it. Um, and, yeah, you, 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 you feel absolutely amazing. Is it addictive? It depends to who, because not everybody is predisposed to addiction by the nature of their upbringing, their childhood and their life experience. So you might get a very well-adjusted young person. They've had, you know, mummy and daddy have helped them through school and with their homework and dad's taken to all the sports clubs and there's a lot of love in that family and they, they don't really want for anything. They're not insecure they feel quite well balanced when they go out in society. They might not even have a need to want to take a drug, maybe the, the odd drink, right? That kind of person is 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 possibly going to smoke a bit of meth and go, ah, it's all right, you know, but I'm not doing it again, or I'm certainly not doing it for, you know, for a while. You take someone from a fractured upbringing that's never really known inner peace, that's maybe um, unsure of themselves, that's possibly been bullied, that doesn't kind of feel like the world is for them. There's something, they, they just feel different, right? You give them crystal meth, it can feel like the key in the lock. It can feel like the thing they've waited for, for, you know, for a lifetime, right? And you take it, everything seems fine, it wears off. And then, of course, what you do, you want to take it again. So you take it again, wears off, you want to take it. So you start to buy more and more to keep this feeling going. Because to you, it this is the wonder drug. It's the answer to all your problems. It's going to solve everything, right? Well, what happens... Um, the next question is, what are the dangers? Well, the dangers are that when you buy into any addiction, whether it's food, gambling, sex, 
water, right? When you start to chase something at the expense of living your life and keeping your routines and keeping your job, and being good to your friends and family and looking after yourself and exercising, when you suddenly start chasing just one aspect of, of, of this um, holistic picture that is our, our world, right? then suddenly that becomes very damaging because everything else starts to slide. You're not taking your work as serious, you're not, you know, and all these things I just mentioned, like not looking after yourself. And before long, as we say in England, everything starts to go Pete Tong wrong. And of course, what's your answer when your boss fires you because he's fed up with you being late now? Plus, people are kind of starting to suspect your behaviours become a bit quirky. You know, you're starting to really focus and pay attention on insignificant things. And and so your boss fires you. And what do you do? What's the answer to your problems? Stop the meth? Nah. The answer is to go and get some more. Because this is your miracle drug, right? And I'll talk more about addiction in one of my next podcasts because it's a whole other subject again. But this is the danger is that you go... Um, you, you you go into that that slide. A few things I uh, made a note of. You you get terrible timekeeping, as I mentioned. You focus on stupid, irrelevant tasks. So you could be going to meet an old friend for a drink, seven o'clock. The drive is about you know, not suggesting you drive on drugs, but you know maybe maybe the walk is ten minutes. Um, what do you do? You leave it until five minutes before that walk and then you suddenly start getting your clothes on and you, you, you've got to have a quick wash and, or shower and get out the door, right? And everything becomes rushed, rushed, rushed. And why? It's because you probably spent the last three hours, four hours, in my case, 12, 24 hours doing one stupid, insignificant thing might be like wiring a plug socket onto a, an electrical appliance. Um, it might be um, you've decided to um, fix some fix something that was broken that you never really used anyway. And you get really a, obsessive compulsive attention to tiny details. Um, you gather junk. That's another that's another kind of weird side effect. You see things and your mind says, I can put that to good use. So you start to hoard things thinking, I'll I'll put that to use tomorrow or the next. And of course, it never happens because you, your life has become too chaotic. Not sleeping, as I mentioned. Not eating. And the losing jobs. It's, yeah, meth for me was great in the, the early stages and then everything started to slide. And the worst side effect is, of course, psychosis. What is psychosis? It's a form of schizophrenia. In simple terms, when you take too much meth for too long, you overload the brain's natural dopamine chemicals and, and, and serotonin and all these kind of, um, these kind of, this clever biology in your brain. And your brain starts to misfire. So whereas an ordinary brain, you have synapses and you have impulse signals that go 
<sighs> like this, when you when you take too much meth for too long, your chemistry goes out of wire and your brain starts firing like this. <sighs> Excuse the sound effects, by the way. And it's missing. And that means you go into a very bizarre trip where nothing makes sense. And life can become one big conspiracy. I won't um, just tell you how it happened to me. I was in a marketplace in Wan Chai in Hong Kong. And I was looking for a blanket. And I picked up a grey blanket in the shop front. And I read that it had a little label on it. And, and written in, le in red was just one word. Waste. And in that moment, I knew this blanket was one of those ones that the American settlers gave to the indigenous Indians. You know, those ones infected with smallpox and tuberculosis to wipe out the Indian population. And I'm stood there thinking, what the hell are these blankets doing in Hong Kong? Now, if you think that sounds weird, it gets far more weird. That was just the very first time that when I look back, I realised I was mentally ill. I'd gone mad. I'd lost the plot. I then went on to live another three months like that. I'll talk about that in my next podcast. So please like, um, subscribe, because we're going to be talking about a lot more stuff that I hope you can find find helpful. Adventuring, my military experience, what it's like to write a book, what it's like to fly aeroplanes, what it's like to skydive, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, so please like and subscribe and I'll talk about what it's like to be in psychosis uh, in the next one. My book, as I mentioned, was Eating Smoke. If you're short of money, I've, um, <clears throat> I've heard it's possible to download. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you, team. See you next time. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.